0: gentlemen welcome back to the podcast we are going to be on episode number 28 and this one i'm talking to i would say the most famous and elite hacker that ultima online has ever seen some would even go to say and every other you know major mmo (laughs) He is definitely touched in some regard, but, uh, Manfred is his name. And I got turned on, uh, to him because someone messaged me and said, Hey, they emailed me and said, Hey, you know, this guy Manfred. And, uh, he had this, you know, bug where he would like redeed your house and take it. And I was like, what? And it was sounded very similar to what Chopper was describing. Um, back when I talked to ask Chopper about his website, he's like, yeah, there was a bug that you could like instantly make someone's house IDOC. So the really cool parallel here is I found out what the actual bug was. Uh, Manfred describes it in in detail. It was amazing. Um, But it's a very cool uh, piece of of history to kind of understand the mentality of Manfred, because this is a, let's be honest, this is a bit of a gray area, right? I mean, he was exploiting and hacking, um, and he turned a very healthy profit off it so it's an interesting moral i would say maybe not dilemma but um an interesting thing to think about right where you know as i'm in my 30s now you know would i maybe steal people's houses and sell it for cash not sure um (laughs) uh, but based on the money he was making when i was in like my early 20s would i have done that without a shadow of a doubt i would have done it um But this is a very, I think, crazy interview and the fact that Manfred is so open and honest about it, I feel that we're not going to really get to see or talk to someone of his caliber with such transparency like this, right? Because everyone, you know, I'm a big hacker, I'm blah, 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 right? Right. A lot of people are all talk until you actually kind of talk to them and, and what will they actually spill and, and tell you. And I will say I was completely blown away because I didn't know anything about Manfred before talking to him. I, I had complete ignorance. So while I'm talking to him, you're going to kind of see. I mean, I, I was really blown away at not only the money this guy was making, The kind, I mean, and he did cross paths with Chopper. It's crazy that really this whole exploiting you know uh, world if you will was so interconnected where people knew each other but there were still different little silos all the while and and i think this is like a an absolute masterpiece of of the podcast inadvertently when you know you go back to when i talked to Garriott and star long you understand that they were so inundated and busy with other stuff they had no time for, you know, choppers shenanigans or Manfred. I mean, these were just still small little fish in the sea. It was crazy to even think about that. Except, and you'll hear, <clears throat> please listen to the whole episode, because you'll hear um, he does get the attention of um, the devs at some point. Uh, fast, again, a fascinating story. Um, I am a little bit under the weather, so I apologize. My voice is a little off, but I, I really wanted to get this out because um, in terms of one of my favorite ones I have done, manfred is definitely up there in top five um just because I had no idea the level of gosh like detail that like went into this kind of um operation, and you know how did he sell stuff how like it's just it, it's mind blowing to me so I hope you guys sincerely enjoy this, Um, I still am streaming on Twitch, and I actually started streaming on YouTube a little bit, Um, I stream UO of course, Um, so please uh, check me out on there, I'll have links, I'm going to post all of Manfred's links as well, uh, below, because he did talk at, um, you know, the big, this DevCon, the big hacker convention about hacking video games, so um, I'll post all that, you know, in in the description, y'all can watch, Um, but uh, sincerely thank you guys for hanging out keep sending me those emails please keep connecting me to I would say some of the most interesting people I've ever talked to and the really cool thing is we're coming up on a year um, for the podcast and I will share with you guys you know we've hit over ten thousand plays which you know for a very niche uh type of podcast i uh i'm really blown away by that i never expected in my wildest dreams i would have that many plays you know because this is obviously very targeted to a certain game um so y'all have been great um and we'll catch y'all next time hope you have a good one all right guys i am sitting here with Anfred, and uh Fred, thank you very much first of all for joining me man
1: yep thanks for having me on uh yeah, Where should we start? We have a lot of stuff to talk about,
0: so I think we're gonna get right into definitely the question I usually ask everyone where in the world does Anfred come from? The name,
1: uh, so Anfred on Discord, I'm Anfred. Um, I started out in Ultima Online back in like '96, '97. I signed up for the beta. Uh, through like PC Gamer magazine, and I think you like filled out a form a paper form and you sent it to like the OSI offices down in Texas Yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah <laughs> The year afterwards like sometime, sometime in 97. I, I got invited to the beta um, So originally started with the name logic okay. dumbass name, but whatever uh, Let's fast forward a little bit. Um, oh. I was huge into PvP um, Ultima online opened up some PvP shards uh, I think it was called, like, Siege Perilous or something like that, but right. like around 98. Um, so I, I went under with a PvP mindset, so I was like, I'll just pick the jankiest name I could think of, uh, and I went under as Fuckchop, P-H-U-C-K-C-H-O-P, right?
0: <laughs> okay. It's
1: tongue-in-cheek name. So, so one day, you know, I was PKing, uh, getting tons of complaints, like, everybody's complaining to the GMs, like, this guy's hacking, this guy's cheating, speed hacking, wall hacking, what have you, because I was, like, Slaying people left and right. Right. Uh, with this name, which adds insults to injury to these people, right? Um, <laughs> so anyway, one day I was just chilling at Trinsic, like macroing something. And uh, I went to AFK for like, I don't know, 30 minutes. I went down to like Krispy Kreme to grab a box of donuts. That was like my usual lunch lunch back then. Right. And I came, and I came back and I was like, wait a minute, some, something's off. And I opened up my paper doll and it said Manfred. And I checked my chat log, and I guess like a GM came when I was AFK, and he was talking to me like he can't go around PKing as fuck chop. So he just, so <laughs> well, the GM just changed my name uh, to like a random NPC, I guess, and Manfred came up. So uh, so, so I was so my name came from a GM back in Ultima Online.
0: Now, how old were you back then?
1: And I was around ninety-eight. Just graduated high school, started college uh, around nineteen.
0: Okay, so you weren't, I mean, you were a mature punk kid.
1: <laughs> uh, mature in air quotes, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, and describe now your kind of, are we on dial-up? Or describe your computer. Like, give us, set the stage here.
1: All right, so I had a brand spanking new, I think it was a Gateway or a Dell. No, it was yeah. Packard Bell.
0: Oh. Brand wow, new, sp-
1: okay. yeah, Packard Bell. That brings back memories. Uh it was a P75, 75 megahertz. So it's okay. smoking fast. Um, yeah, whenever it rained uh, in, in the game client, like it slowed my FPS down to like one or two frames per second.
0: So. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and yeah, I was on dial up. I think I started out with AOL and then I switched over to like local ISPs. It's kinda of funny because like AOL, I was getting really crappy ping times. I was getting like 250 milliseconds, wow. which wasn't really great for uh, you know PvPing and like running around especially when in crowded areas for when we were doing like large pv or pvp battles like right. that kind that kind of ping won't you'll, you'll just die first you'll be easy pickings so then i hopped off AOL and then i was just shopping around like local ISPs i, I just called them up and i was like hey what's your ping to like this ip cuz i was like giving them the ip of the user. US so i just <laughs> right. went with the IS- so i went with the ISP with the lowest ping and uh, so i got my ping down on dial up to like 120 milliseconds, which was wow. pretty good
0: no, that's really good. Now, are you on 28.8 or 56K?
1: Uh, twenty eight 56K wow. was, a, yeah, that was a luxury. 56K, well, man, that was, that was yeah, edge. Yeah,
0: people forget. And I don't, gosh, I don't remember because I only had, my jump was 28.8 and then I jumped to like DSL. Like I never had 56K because I remember that modem was really yeah. expensive. The US Robotics one, wasn't it? I don't remember the price, but.
1: Yeah, I mean that—that that was my same thing. I jumped from 28 to DSL, and that was a game changer. Because I mean, on dial-up, you had to call the internet, which as right. stupid as it sounds right now, it's like it's always on right now, right? But back then, you had to call it up, and you had to listen to those stupid chirping sounds and buzzing sounds and all that. Right. And then you got connected. And then if like somebody tried to call you, you get disconnected because it would do that beep beep sound on the line, and the, the modem would like lose connection. So uh, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was the Stone Ages.
0: And kind of walk me through, because you pretty much it sounds like when you started applying, you came in hot and heavy, like you know PVPing. Where did that come from? Like, why did you want to do that?
1: Um, let's see. So, so when I when I signed up for the beta, and I got the beta disc in the mail, came I think early summer '97 is when I first got onto UO. Yeah, and I signed up. When I signed up for it. this whole new online gaming thing. Was brand new to me. I was like, "How does this work? Like, if I reinstall my client, does that delete my character?" You know? <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> so I log in. Uh, I think I started out in like uh, the main town, Britain, and uh, I ran southwest, and then I got killed by like an ogre or something. Just clubbed me. I was like, <laughs> okay and then i was like wait a minute i lost all my shit i gotta run back and like loot my corpse i was like this is pretty interesting because it just like stepped up the challenge right because right. it's like you die you lose your shit that got me really interested because it's like you know uh, i started out killing monsters doing the mining thing like with everybody else throwing some coin uh, upgrading my gear but then you, you go out and start pvp and then it's like, no other game's done this before, but it's like you get in an adrenaline rush. It's like you're fighting for real, and you're fighting for your shit, or you're fighting for the other guy's shit. It's like, it's right, just yeah. a whole different level. Yeah. Like, right now, in PvP in games right now is like, yeah, you kill somebody, and then you, like, do a dance over their corpse, but everybody just respawns, and it's all, everybody's good and happy. But back then, it was like, the real deal. You, you lost your shit.
0: Yeah, and I, I think... And I've talked about this before. It's why with me, like even on the current chart I play on, you know, there's a lot of organized type events and it just doesn't, it doesn't capture me, you know, cause it feels yeah. very theme park ish, you know? Yeah. Like, cause uh, to be honest, and this is the unpopular opinion that that I think is, is a stone cold fact that, you know, if I want to do organized PVP, I might as well play wow. Right. Cause there's millions yeah, exactly. of people you know you know what I'm saying like if I want to do that me I like going in the field because yeah I have no idea what in the world is waiting for me around that corner I have no clue and I love it
1: yeah absolutely like when you go explore a new dungeon like as soon as you walk in are, are you, is there going to be like a gang of pk's just completely owning you or right. are you going to go and have a good time and like loot some shit like if you loot some shit if you come back out you know it was typical for pk's to like hang out the entrances and you know they get the fresh pickings with like all the loot so they yeah. you know they camp out outside of the dungeon entrances so i mean yeah it was it was the wild west like uh, uh and you know it it was not a dwelling rush when you played that game and no game since has i think replicated that
0: and what, um, like, were you like a macer, a swords? What kind of, what did you gravitate towards?
1: Uh, let's see. Uh, I started out as a noob, and I was a noob for a long time, but I, I was a sword guy.
0: Okay.
1: Then, then, then I switched over to mage when I got the DSL. But, uh, but yeah, one of the things, so, so starting out back then, like, on, on dial-up, uh, and I was huge into PvP, I noticed one thing. There was this one guy named Scotty on the Pacific Shard. Okay. And and rumor was that Scotty was, like, an employee of Microsoft, or he worked for Microsoft, and he had a house uh, near their campus. So he had a direct T1 uh, line <laughs> connection.
0: Oh, damn, yeah.
1: So he had, like, 10, 15 millisecond ping time. So whenever I'd meet Scotty, I'd be dead before he'd, like, load in on my screen. So I was like, this is bullshit. Right. <laughs> so, so that's when I was like... I gotta, you know, I gotta figure out a way to like beat Scotty you know, and like beat all these like low ping bastards, as they call them back then.
0: Oh yeah, you, know, that's, you could clearly for everyone that's you know, has, if you didn't play back then, you could easily see you know a difference in ping. It was like they were, it was almost like they had one hundred and fifty FPS and you had ten. Is the equivalent today? Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> um. So as you may have heard, like I have a huge history in like hacking online video games. And that's, yeah. UL was pretty much where I started. And it's because of that it was, it was mainly the ping differential. And I wanted to like, even the playing field without spending, you know, two, $3,000 a month for a T1 <laughs> line. So I started like modifying the client and seeing how it works. Uh, you know, uh, I was starting college back then. I didn't know shit pr- pretty much like, you know, didn't know programming or anything like that. So I just started learning how to like modify the client. Like, how does this thing work? Yeah, um, some of my first, you know, uh, modifications were just modifying the data files, like because back then, like you could hide be- behind a tree and you couldn't target that person that's behind the tree because you couldn't see him. And back then, you couldn't like target the name, so like uh, if somebody's PKing you and they're trying to run away, they just hide behind a tree and, and that's it, <laughs> and, and they log out. So this one of the first things I did was like modify the game art files to like uh, make trees. I turned trees into like stones or something, so. They'd be thinking that they're hiding behind a tree, but on my client, they're hiding behind a rock, Wow. which you know is covering up their ankle, and that's it. So you know, uh, I'd kill them, and they'd be like, "What the fuck, you're hacking?" And I was like, "Well, you're cheating." And now, like, did you
0: them. realize, you know, back then, at least at this like this point, that that was a client side thing that you were doing, not a server side? Did you understand that concept, or what?
1: Yeah, I understood that was a client side thing. Okay. Um, yeah, and I mean, that just got the ball rolling onto, like, more what-ifs. Like, like what would happen if I started, like, manipulating the packets between the client and the server? Like, how what if I really, like, dug into how this game works?
0: So and, now... Um, what what time period is this? Are we still in like 98, 99 or like what, what time? Yeah, period? this is around
1: mid to late 98 when I really started like digging into the client and I, then I wrote some software like to like tap into the client so I could see like the unencrypted packets that were going between the client and the server.
0: Wow. And, you know, and it's so funny that like in hindsight now after, and I think you listened to some of the Gary and Star Long ones where these guys were so inundated with other crap they had no time, you know, for this kind of, for, let's say, your nefarious activities, right? <laughs> there was yeah. no time, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, in more ways than one, it was Uncharted Waters for everybody, the players, the developers, yeah. uh, everything. So, I mean, uh, other players took advantage of, you know, they could afford a $3000 rt one line and completely decimate their opponents and, you know, uh, Necessity is like the mother of all invention, as they say. So, you know, I couldn't afford it T one line, so I was like, well, let's <laughs> let's find let's let's find other ways to like skin this cat. So, I started modifying the client, and um, this branches out into so many different stories you could go into. But let's talk about newbie bags. Does that does that mean anything to you? So newbie bags
0: like when they when you first spawn in, they give you the bag with items.
1: Yeah, and, and then you die, and the bag stays with your ghost, I guess.
0: Right, yes. Right, that right, I remember. Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: So back then, uh, when I was messing with the client and the packets, um, you know how you open up your paper doll and you see like your spell book right next to your character, and on the other side is like your bag. You, like, right. Double click your bag, and it opens your inventory. So So you can actually unequip that bag that's on your paper doll, as crazy oh. as that sounds. Uh, wow. and back and back then i was like oh shit i broke my character because i you know i my one and only top level bag like i like dropped it on the ground i was like man this is bad <laughs> so so yeah. i'm running around trying a bunch of things logging in and out like my bag is still gone i can't open my inventory and then the then i try some random stuff and the craziest thing happens like i tame some animal out in the forest and my bag reappears next to me like somehow through the process of taming an animal it causes your bag to reappear Wow. So I so I started playing with it, uh, and the original bag that I dropped on the ground, I picked it up, stuck all my reagents in it, and like stuck all my loot in it. And then I don't know, I got into some PvP battle or whatever, and I died. And, and it turns out that bag, uh, behaved like a newbie bag. Like I was able to die and keep all of my items inside of that bag. Like,
0: did you have to retame a creature though to get it back?
1: Yes. So so uh-huh. here's the no 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 so 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 let's let's go back through the steps again so like you have your paper doll you drop your bag on the ground you tame a creature it respawns your bag next to your character right so you have a bag on the ground and a bag on your character so you stick all of your loot in the bag you like unequipped and all your loot in that bag will exist and um will um, go with your ghost when you die so it doesn't appear on your corpse Wow. so it's completely so um so I could make an unlimited amount of these, like, newbie bags, you know, where your loot would be safe after you died. You'd respawn with it. And then I started selling them on eBay. I, I put up a big disclaimer saying, hey, these bags are bugged. Uh, the, the the developers might fix the game client or the game server or whatever to, like, completely delete these bags or change their behavior. Yeah. And I sold, like, and I sold dozens, if not hundreds of them. Like, they were wow. selling for, like, $100 and $150 bucks a pop.
0: Holy shit. Now, did you ever have a paranoid thought in your head that, like, they're going to catch on to you?
1: Uh, what do you mean by they? Because like, there's like multiple.
0: The, well, like the GMs, right? Like, not eBay or anything. But I'm saying, like, you know, Origin would, like, catch on. Like, okay, you're hacking the client. They're going to ban you. Did you ever have that kind of paranoia behind this? Or no, not really?
1: Uh, surprisingly not. Because uh, yeah. uh, I was... Like, like, I've never been banned from a game or an online service before, and that really didn't cross my mind. I was like, hey, I found a glitch, and I found these bags. Right. And I was selling them on eBay, and, you know, they pro- provided some utility to players where they were, you know, willing to pay, you know, a, a couple of hundred bucks for them uh, sometimes. Now,
0: explain, too, the crossover between, you know, what you were doing and then, like, the ass Chopper website. So I think there's some history tying you guys together, I think.
1: Uh, kinda, I mean, Ask chopper has a really good website where he basically farmed the community that you know they were sharing the exploits amongst each other. but but the thing about um, his site, I think he even had a private section. like if you yes. submitted a bug in private, you could you could you could you'd get like elevated to like this private status and you don't mm-hmm. get visibility. you'd have like exclusive access to these bugs. But the problem with like sharing bugs publicly is they get fixed faster. Right. Which 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 didn't mean a lot in Ultima Online. Because I mean, as great as Ultima Online was, was a sandbox, but it was also a sandbox for exploits. Like you fix one exploit and like five more others pop up. (laughs) I think I think Ask Chopper had, I don't know, hundreds, if not thousands and thousands of exploits. And I mean uh the ones so Here's another huge rabbit hole. Like Ultima Online was like one of the first virtual economies. Like they had a virtual ecosystem. Like
0: yeah,
1: like so So many deer spawned out in the land. If you want leather, you'd kill a deer. But everybody was like hoarding uh, raw materials uh, during the early days of the launch. So uh, you know everything was killed off. The lands were barren. There were no deer to be found. The only way to like get materials Mm -hmm. was to like kill another player that killed like a deer or did some mining or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. So it was kind of a crazy time. So you so you never
0: like submitted something to Ask Chopper like to get access, or did you ever have that thought, like, hey, you wanted to kind of see what they were doing or what?
1: Man, I forgot. I I think I submitted one thing to get access to the um private forums. Right. I I have no idea what it was, but yeah, I did study like what was going on in public exploit land and then what I was doing internally. But early on, I realized, you know, um, if you go public with an exploit, uh, it'll be targeted for, you know, getting fixed. So, so I was like operating with a buddy of mine, like this private research think tank for UO exploits. Wow.
0: Now, what what were you using back then? Like MIRC or like what what communication? Oh,
1: yeah. So <clears throat> I was using ICQ. If you remember that.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah it's like my social I my num- number
1: yeah <laughs> yeah I, I still remember that number it's it's like a four-digit. yeah i had like a low number i had like a six digit number which is oh i, I think
0: guess, i think mine yeah. was eight maybe
1: yeah. i don't know yeah, i think people still use them and i think uh you can like sell your number on ebay because it's like a huge deal in some communities still yeah
0: But anyway yeah i was using
1: icq and the mirc back then
0: okay because yeah i remember like And I've talked about this. It it still blows my mind. People don't understand, like, where, okay, we had real-time communication, right? Which you kind of had in UO. Someone's online, you're online, you can talk. Great, right? No big deal. But ICQ, it was like, I can message you offline.
1: And I can send you a screenshot.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and I can also send you a virus. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, but, like, it was a huge deal because it was, like... You know, yeah, you could email someone, but that's already back then email felt like sending a postcard, right? Like I have no time for that. I want ICQs when he logs in, he sees this message, you know, hey, I'm placing something on the vendor or whatever. So I want everyone to realize it was a huge deal, ICQ, for sure.
1: Oh, yeah, especially like when somebody logs on. I still remember like the notification, like when somebody logs on, it's like that tap, tap, tap sound. yeah. Somebody logs on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, real-time communication, like real-time notification of, like, when somebody's online was a huge thing. Like, email was garbage. Like, back then, like... Yeah. Spam filters were, were non-existent. So you open up your email and you have, like, 10 billion, I
0: don't know, <laughs> janky now, ads for something. Do you remember... I, I remember this was a huge thing, like, duping gold. Do you know anything yeah. about that?
1: Yeah, so on, I think one of my... Like, the first time I duped Gold was, like, something I found on Ask Chopper, I think, was a lot of those dupes had to deal with, like, server boundaries. Like, so Yo was, like, this huge 2D map, but it was, like, the map was divided into, like, sub-servers. Right. And when when you cross from one subserver to another, like, if you're running from Transit up to Britain, you, you could tell, because there would be, like, this lag spike when you cross this line. And like some of the early dupes were like you cross this server line and then you like disconnect your modem or something like that. And then you log in and then so so you drop an item on the ground, you cross a, a lag line or a server line, you disconnect your modem, you log back in and you have your stuff on you still. Cause it, and, and then you drop. have stuff on the ground. Yeah. So 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 you dupe like that. And there was I tons of variations. I never
0: got that to work. Yeah. Like I remember that being, it was probably, I mean, who know hell. I don't even remember when I saw it. I was a punk kid. I remember seeing that. I'm like, oh, okay. And I tried it like, you know, 10 times. I'm like, well, this ain't working. And I just kind of gave up.
1: <laughs> yeah, there, there are like a ton of variations of them. Like the one I got to work reliably uh, and then the one I used to like dupe a bunch of castle deeds, which is another funny story. Because if you dupe an item, like it retains the same ID. Like if you look in a database, it has the same ID. So those right. get would get... Those would get consolidated, and the dupes would get deleted. So you had to kind of respawn the item to give the deed a different ID. Um, So to make this kind of understandable and short is, so this dupe was similar to the server-line dupe, and that is you'd open up a portal. What the hell were they called? Moon portal?
0: Like the uh, gates?
1: Yeah, the vast sprawl I, well, I yeah, remember yeah. like the spell name, but I, I can't gate. remember what the hell the yeah. <laughs> yeah, moon gate. Yeah. So you'd open the moon gate to a different server and then you'd like drop your item, go into the moon gate, and as it's loading, you disconnect your thing and you log back in at your starting point and then the thing that you dropped on the ground, you'd pick it up and then you'd have two of those. Wow. So anyway, I was doing this with a castle deed. And so what I did was I I placed the castle on, on some land and then I deeded the castle back up um, in, into my inventory. So that would change the deeds ID.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So that way I was able to like dupe castle deeds, do the Moongate portal trick, dupe, come back, and I'd have two castle deeds with separate IDs. So I did this a few hundred times. And, you know, a castle deed was worth, I don't know, like a million coin back oh, then? Oh,
0: yeah, I think it was a million. Yeah, that was intense.
1: Yeah, it's just, so I had like billions worth of UO gold, and I was eBaying that left and right, like at some times, I had like, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 auctions going up at, at the same time on eBay, because oh. I think a million gold gold was selling for like 100 bucks or something like that. So it was pretty good money, especially with, back when I was in college.
0: So explain, and this is kind of a, um, well, at least to me, I, I really like, you rarely get to ask people this. How did your lifestyle change as you were selling more and more gold? Like, like what, give me, you know, what was occurring in your real life?
1: Uh, you know, uh. Paid my way through college basically by exploiting Ultima Online. Wow. Um, so, so that was nice. I mean, I, I got to play UO. I got to learn cool shit in college. And then I got to learn how to exploit, you know, online games like UO. So it was like a win win win. It was, was amazing. Like, were people,
0: like, were your parents, do they know? Like, did people understand, like, you started, or this was just done totally in the dark?
1: Um,. So, you know, I told my, I told my brother what was going on. I told my mom and they were like, is this illegal legal right, now? <laughs> right Right, yeah. They're just freaking out. So, so after that <laughs> conversation, uh, I just kept it kind of secret-ish. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, see, like, I would Funny. think like, holy crap, some they're going to sue me, right? Nowadays, I would think that. Now, back then, hell, I wouldn't even conceptualize that. Did you ever think that they would come after you or no?
1: Um, so, so I've been exploiting games from like 97 to 2017 and around, around the time. So, so back then the game companies weren't selling gold to players. They weren't selling castle deeds for like cash. Like you couldn't go on some UO website run by origin back then. And you couldn't like enter your credit card information and get a castle. So, so I wasn't competing with their business model.
0: And and I want everyone to realize too. There was a time before DLC in cash shops, and it was <laughs> glorious. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing.
1: You, you got your stuff from, you know, explorers and hackers. And,
0: <laughs> but go ahead. But anyway. Sorry. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, so, yeah. So, as time progressed, you know, game companies were like, hey, uh, players want stuff, and You know, as bad as pay to win is, like some companies just straight up went pay to win. Like if you want a level 50 sword, you can buy a level 50 sword. Right. Uh, Eh. Um. So so when I was hacking those types of games where they had pay to win, I was like, you know, I'm competing with their business model. And, you know, I'm not feeling so good about this. And that's when I jumped out. Like in 2017, I I called it quits. I was like, this is getting too hot. Uh, I'm starting to compete with the business model of these games. And, uh, you know, I I could get in trouble. So uh, I just tapped out
0: so um bring me back to so you're you're playing you play on pacific right that's what you said to your shard yeah and that's where you stayed
1: uh yeah uh, i stayed on pacific pretty much all the time uh i briefly went on the pvp shards the siege perilous whatever the hell it was called yeah but uh yeah my home was pacific
0: okay and you know, walk me through like the different stages as you're, I mean, we talked about the, the real life stuff, which by the way, I find so fascinating because yeah, it, no one really talks about that. Like, you know, Hey, you paid your way through college. That's a big freaking deal. You're like, I mean, that's a really cool fact. Now describe to me your in-game status. How did that change? Like, were you you know, it's like kind of like the guy that robs the bank and buys a Ferrari the next day in the IRS, you know, <laughs> right? Finds out. Yeah. How are you acting in game?
1: So, yeah, in game, uh, I ran with a small crew and all we did was... Um... Yeah, this this gets a little bit interesting because all we did was PvP and use exploits tr- or glitches in UO to, like, loot houses or take over houses. Okay. Like Or for example, like one of the dumbest exploits, and you know, this didn't really require any technical knowledge or anything, is when the houses were a thing, you could like so the way a house would work is you'd buy a deed from the deed vendor, like in a major town. You'd find an open plot of land and you'd double click the deed and then you'd click on the ground and then poof your house would appear.
0: Placed, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then you got a key in your backpack, I think. Right. To that house. Like if you lose that key, you're screwed. Whoever whoever, whoever whoever holds that key, that, that's their house. Now, so you, remind me,
0: because this was a little bit before my time, because um, I didn't play that far back. What yeah. if, if I rec- if I looted the key, stole it, whatever, how would I know what house? You just have to go around to find that house, right? You wouldn't know based on the key. Uh, yeah, you, you
1: could go around and, like try every single house. Okay, uh, right, because it didn't tell you yeah. coordinates. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but one of the things was you just camp out in front of the house, and, like, somebody uh, teleports in or runs up and opens their, their door. You just run in behind them and kill them and take their key, and now it's your house.
0: <laughs> I can't imagine um, that, man. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: <laughs> but, but you know, so, so some people got really quick. They they teleport in, they'd run inside their house, they'd lock the door, so you, they'd be safe. Right. But, but there was this really dumb exploit. Like, so, you know, when you get killed, you become a ghost. And I think... Um, If you're in attack mode, other players can see you as a ghost. And if you're not in attack mode, then you're running around invisibly, I think. Yes, Um, that's right. um, Yes. So anyway, uh, so as a ghost, you just run up to a house and stand in the doorway and you be invisible. So when somebody opens the door, they can't close that door because your ghost is blocking the door from closing. As, As dumb as that sounds.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, so, you know, if that happens to you, if you run into the house and you can't close the door, you... You know, you, you'll get that sinking feeling because you'll know you're getting set up for a raid because it's like, <laughs> yeah, there, there's a fucking ghost blocking my door, and now I'm about to get raided, which is what usually would happen. So, uh, yeah, so um, I'd sign up for a, for a second account. I think that's when I upgraded from like my P75 to a P133, a 133 megahertz machine. So okay. I had my old 75 machine running with a different account. So I would just, you know, run ghosts around and like block doors, and then we'd be, I'd be like on IRC going, hey. I blocked the door over here. Let's go raid this house. So, Oh,
0: my. And you couldn't you know. ban back then or no?
1: Uh, No, you couldn't ban back then. That, oh that was later gosh. on.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. <laughs> You'd be screwed. Yeah.
0: I mean, because, like, I'm just telling you, like, you know, like, even the, sh- the shard, you know, I play on right now with my guild, like, there's a strict rule in all of our guild houses. Like, you walk in, those doors close, I mean, immediately because... We've had people stealth in, and then they'll just wait and then kill everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's insane, you know, the level that people will go to troll. So I I cannot even fathom not being able to
1: ban. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think they introduced bans pretty quickly, like within a month. Because for (laughs) for like a month it was open game. People were getting screwed. People were complaining on the forums. It was you know they're crying murder. Because I mean it's a huge deal. Because like the only place you could store your stuff was in the bank, and I think you could only hold hold like one hundred twenty five items. Yeah. So everybody was just you know stacking bags in their house, and if you take over a house, man, you struck gold. It's like you grab all the reagents and you grab all the you know ingots for crafting, and you just make your way out. And you know we had a house that was like loaded down with like hundreds of thousands of reagents ingots. Well, that was an ask. Did you
0: have a castle like that you stored everything in, or what?
1: Yeah, we had, uh, we and, and the swamps above, above Trinsic, we had, um, I think we had a tower and, like, three keeps around it. So we had, like, a private courtyard.
0: Okay. Now, did people yeah, start so- noticing? That, like, I assume, like, usually in UO, at least on the map, like, and I want to set the stage, too, for everyone to realize. Like, and I'm talking classic map, back in the day, if you had a million people playing, I mean, every shard, obviously, was less people, but it felt pretty much alive. Like, you would know who is who. I mean, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, like, we'd loot a bunch of houses for fun. Um, and then, you know, we'd hoard all the valuable stuff in, inside of our keeps and houses. And we'd get GMs visiting, visiting us frequently. Because, you know, if, if we... Use some kind of a trick like the ghost trick in the door to like loot a player, take his house, take all the stuff. They're gonna call a GM. So we had right. GMs called on us all the time. Uh, and one time we were like going through all of our loot at our house, and a GM pops in and they're like, Holy shit, this is a lot of stuff you guys are <laughs> duping. The GM goes crazy and just starts deleting everything or packing Whoa. it in his bag or whatever. And we're like, no, 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 we're not duping, you know, check the logs or whatever you have, you know. I can promise you this isn't doop team we're just loading houses so we get the gm to chill out and you know uh, we talk to him and then he like gives us our stuff back and, and then that was that kind of like wow. separated part of the ways but anyway yeah um So as time went on, um, like, bugs to, like, loot houses or exploit mechanisms to, like, take over a house, you know, they'd show up on, like, Ask Chopper and stuff like that. The GMs, or, I mean, the developers would, like, fix these methods. So as time went on, like, houses became more and more secure. Uh, Right.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, now, gosh, I remember the Stractix, like, forums. Was that the main place people were going, right?
1: Yeah, Stratux, I think. Well, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's turned yeah.
0: into it. It's a dump now. It's like the biggest <laughs> yeah. trammel. Like if you say anything, I think you say Feluca, like the instant Man here.
1: Oh. oh. <laughs> That's hilarious.
0: I don't know, but yeah, it's basically a far cry from what it was. Yeah, back in the day. Um, but okay. okay, so take us through. Yeah, I mean, like, so you're amassing items. Like, did. Did it ever feel like, you know, you had too much stuff? Or like, what's the end game here? Like, what do you kind of think?
1: Oh, no, I mean, for for whatever reason, like hoarding was like my thing. It's like you go out (laughs) PK and you hoard. I don't know why. That was the game loop. It's like you kill somebody, you take their shit, and you take it back into your house. It's like some weird weird ass game mechanic. But what I was getting to is like houses became more and more secure. and around this time I had the client taken apart pretty well. I was able to like intercept packets between the client and the server. So I was like I started looking at houses at the packet level. Like, you know, what happens when you ban somebody from your house? Like what happens when you place a house and then you deed a house? Because you know, you could place a house and then like double click on the sign and then you could like click a button to deed the house, which would mean it would like return to paper form back in your inventory. Okay. So one day, uh, my buddy was at work and I was just fucking around with houses and how they worked. And then um, to my surprise, I was able to like deed other players' houses. We should. Was- wow. So if you wrap your mind around this, like you got your player with their now secure house because the developers like locked down the mechanisms behind the house and all the exploits are pretty much fixed. Yeah. So people are hoarding stuff inside their houses. And then, you know, someone like me comes along and I. You know, uh, double-click their sign and send a packet, and their house disappears. Like all their shit falls to the ground slowly, and then you can go around and like pick up whatever they had in their house, and then you also have their house deed.
0: Wow! Because and this is kind of where we uh, intercept with Chopper. Is I remember, and even to this day, you know, Chopper was like, "Yeah, there was a bug that we tried reproing that the the way it was submitted, it was said that." it made your house instant IDOC and then you could, you know, delete it, move it. Now hearing you say I I am, well, I guess I'm, I'm 99% sure it was probably yours, but game of telephone, right? Like it just filtered down differently.
1: So ask chopper. uh, Yeah. He, he was seeing things correctly ish. Like, so we were doing this for, I don't know, couple months, pretty stealthily. Like we'd run around and we'd look for IDOC houses that were like in danger of collapsing. Uh, Just to give some background, like when you place a house and you don't log into the game and you don't like open the door, that house starts to decay and like over a period of, I don't know, seven or 14 days. Like if you don't interact with that house, that house will go into a a stage known as in danger of collapsing. Which means if you don't log in within like 24 hours or maybe 36 hours or whatever, that house will like uh, disappear. And all your right. stuff will fall to the ground. That's that's a way from keeping you know people that don't play the game anymore. You know they won't tie up the land because the land was a very scarce resource and a highly valued sure. one. So they they didn't want people like logging in, placing a house, and just forgetting about their account. So right. houses decayed. So originally we'd go around and we'd look for houses that were in danger of collapsing. Like we modified the client so we didn't have to like click on every single sign. We just run around and the client would tell us like, hey, there's a house over here and it's in danger of collapsing.
0: Wow, so, now, so you were so smart because you targeted IDOCs already.
1: Yeah, so we just, uh, you know, uh, deed those houses instead of like waiting around and waiting for like massive people to like wait for that house to collapse. Because, you know, this stuff got around. Like if a house was in danger of collapsing, people would tell their friends, they'd be like, hey, there's going to be a loot party here when this house collapses right. sometime. It's like, a, it's like a pinata, right? It's like oh the yeah. Thing explodes. <laughs> yeah, the thing explodes and all this stuff falls on the ground. So, so we'd look for these houses, and we'd be like, yeah, we'll just start sniping the nature of collapsing housing, because nobody will really and who's going to report this.
0: you, right, because this house is going to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Damn. And, and, if you,
1: and if you happen to own that house, and you're like, oh, shit, I got to log in and refresh my house, and you log in and your house is gone, you'll be like, oh, man, I was too late. I didn't oh, exactly. log in. Exactly. Like, Damn,
0: man, yeah, this is some big brain tactics. I like it, okay?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we we'd be doing that and then eventually we ran, we ran out of these houses because you know all There's the things so are collapsing. Yeah, right. yeah. So then this kind of takes us to another side story around the area of you, which is the upper northwest part of the map. Yeah. Um back then there was this guild called Players of Asia, I believe. They were POA, very notorious uh PK guild. Uh you know, I do believe they were also hacking or whatever. <laughs>
0: yeah
1: so we were like mortal enemies with them and I don't think they spoke English because um, I'm not sure how they commun- I they probably communicate outside of the game but anyway uh, we always got into balance with these guys and you know sometimes they'd win sometimes we'd win and then something went south really fast where we had to take revenge on them so we just deleted like their main house like their main guild house or whatever we just walked up to it and straight up deleted it with like people in it
0: oh my gosh
1: and um, nothing came out of that. But that was our first, like, ballsy move. It's like, because they probably didn't complain to the GMs. Uh, they probably well, couldn't complain right. to the GMs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, like the mob, yeah, attacking another <laughs> mob person. Well, are you going to call the cops? Probably not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that was like a big F you to their face for, you know, because uh, things went south with our guilds and their guilds' relationships, whatever. So, anyway, that, that was a ballsy move. And then we got away with that. Damn, um,
0: and and now and this whole time again, like you're still selling gold. Like, did your operation expand to where like your brother or your other people are getting paid? Like, how how did the money work? I'm, you're curious.
1: Yeah, so me and a buddy of mine, we were like listing actively on eBay. We recruited our friends in the IRC. we were like, hey, you want to make some extra cash? You know, they started selling along uh, with us on eBay. Wow. so yeah we, we 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 just spun up operations on like every single shard i think there were like seven or eight shards back then and so we were selling you know uh 30 40 listings per shard so we probably had like 300 listings going at any one time so it was pretty good like especially wow, for man. us for us college kids yeah
0: so i mean your college days were pretty good then because i mean Anfred, you know don't bs a BSer. don't tell me you're just paying off your math classes you, you have to be having some fun right
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was good money
0: <laughs> <laughs> no and I'm just laughing because I can't even yeah. imagine yeah you because know, well I, I'm, I'm pretty stupid today but you know when I was that young I was even more dumb <laughs> than I am now and I, and I can't even imagine because like you know it's like you get an extra hundred bucks in your pocket when you're 19 20 let me tell you it, it burns real quick <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, Um, let's see. I I was gonna go off into a little side story, and I forgot where. Ah, yeah, deleting houses. Yeah, yeah. Um, so deleting houses, you know, what we felt was too risky, and we we kind of felt bad about it because you know we ran out of like endangered collapsing houses. Now we had to, you know, the only option was to like delete, you know, actively players' houses, which we weren't too comfortable with. Um, so at this time, you know, having the GMs calling on us all the time for like other PVP related shit and suspected hacking and whatnot, you know, we got friendly with a couple of GMs and, yeah. uh, I think we disclosed one exploit. There was an exploit where, you know, you could place a house under the map, which, which seems dumb and it seems inconsequential. Right. Um, but the thing is like, if somebody steps over, like all right. Take a step back. If you place a house and somebody steps into your house, they turn gray, which means they're open for PKing. Like, you can right, attack yes. them without any repercussions. So if you place a house the ground on a 2D map, and if somebody walks over that area where the house is placed, like, they won't see that house, but they'll walk over the area where the house is at. So they'll turn gray. So you can PK them. And they'll be like, what the fuck? I just got killed, and I can't right. report this guy as a PK. So, so, they have no idea the house is underground and it's like a free for all peeking. So, we placed the house underground, intrinsic. And then, anybody that was running out in and out of intrinsic, we just, you know, do a paralyzed and lightning bolt and like a flame strike. And <laughs> they just yeah. drop dead. And, you know, we'd be doing this for a couple hours. And then a GM came in and then we disclosed, you know, how we placed this house underground. And the GM got fired wow the, the the UO dev team, they were like, "This is a pretty you know exotic exploit." You know, they they probably had inside info, so they thought this GM was working with us, uh, and they fired this GM, and you know that pissed us off. Like we were like, "This is bullshit." Right. Like, we're, we were trying to help out, and you guys ruined this person's like dream job. Did
0: so, the GM so, ever contact you offline? Or
1: yeah, so that got to a huge. Side story, and yet we, we you know, we had a relationship offline with that GM after okay. that. That's all you have to say, anyway, yeah, sure, yes. yeah. But anyway, so we had this house delete exploit, you know, sitting in our inventory, and we were like, all right, we got burned by the UO devs. So uh, I think this was like around December of 99. Okay. We went we went around on every single shard, and we got things set up because there was some setup you had to do to like deed other players' houses. Um, It's a a little bit complicated, but anyway, we spent like a week or two, like going on every single shard and every single subserver and getting things ready, so we could go on. I think was I think Christmas was like on Monday, so it was like a three day holiday. Yeah. uh, Around that time. So I think like Saturday night when like the D- GMs were offline or the devs were like off having Christmas <laughs> with their families enjoying a long weekend yeah. we went on and we started deleting houses on every single server.
0: Oh my.
1: And this was a big deal kind of. I mean Oh, I'm
0: sure <laughs> like I mean the keg exploded, right?
1: Yeah, the forums went crazy. People on Stratix went crazy. Um, people were like speculating what the fuck is going on. Are the servers corrupt? The, I think the GMs got called in to work that weekend. Uh, oh, my got, God. I feel bad about it now. But I remember I think one of the lead devs at that time, his name was Sunsword. And okay. I think he he was the one in charge of, like, investigating the house solution bug. But anyway, we just dropped a bomb on their servers and deleted, like, a bunch of houses.
0: Hey guys, quick sponsored uh, commercial break here. Um, this podcast specifically is sponsored by Death Wish Coffee. I want you all to head over to deathwishcoffee.com. Use code Ultima Online. It's a special code that only is available for listeners of this podcast. It gets you a nice discount. Look, the fact is, I'm sure everyone drinks coffee. I know I do. I use this product. I've been using it for about three, four years now. Uh, I've been sipping Death Wish coffee. It is unbelievable. If you want to support me, you want to support this podcast, you believe in my vision, let me tell you, Death Wish is basically literally fueling me with coffee <laughs> to pursue my passion, which is expanding this podcast as far as we can go. So please check them out. And honestly, give me some feedback. Let me know if you guys have tried it. I know I've gotten a couple people have already ordered stuff. Uh, sincerely, thank you. But uh, thank you very much, guys. I I feel like talking to you, you still had a very fond respect for the game. Oh, absolutely. You didn't really want to play this card that you just played. Is that kind of truthful or what?
1: Yeah, I think we were forced into it. Because, I mean, they destroyed the GM's life by firing them, by accusing that GM of doing something that's not true, that we we knew wasn't true. Um, I mean... In doing so, they, in their eyes, they ruined our reputation. They're like, you know, you, you guys didn't create these exploits. You, you guys are just working with this GM to like get some inside information out. Right. And here, here we are just trying to help them, just, you know, trying to throw them to the Olive Branch, and be like, hey, here's an exploit. You know, let, let's Man, work I don't
0: even remember hearing about this house deletion. So they call the GMs in. What, what's the kind of end result here?
1: Um, So, yeah, I'll I'll send you the story. I found this this story on the archive.is, and there was, like, a huge write-up by Sunsword about it. Really? Oh, I love it. Yeah, Yeah, after this podcast, I'll I'll send the link to you. Okay. But anyway, the the outcome was they, um, I think around Monday or Tuesday, right after Christmas, um, they rolled back the servers to the weekend prior. (laughs) So they rolled back. Yeah. So they rolled the servers back, like, three three or four days so yeah. um in the end was like no harm no foul like people that played over the weekend lost their shit um uh but what did that's you feel how... about
0: that like what did y'all think
1: uh in the way we were like oh shit this, this might be bad uh, and in another way we were like actually so going back to that we all quit uo right after that happened that was like we just dropped the co- Maltov cocktail on the servers.
0: And that was it. So wow. And,
1: and then we walked away. Uh, we walked away into a new game called Anarchy Online.
0: Wow. So you were done with you. Now, explain to me to the NC again, this, you know, for everyone listening, we all remember when we were nineteen twenty. because I'm thinking, you know, as a, th- a guy in my 30s, the financial aspect, right? Like, pff, man, this is some decent money. How could you walk away? Back then, it was like, you know what? Screw him. You know, I'm just going to walk. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: so uh, I'll correct myself. Walk away in air quotes. Like, we didn't play the game anymore. We didn't PvP. Uh, my friends, you know, silently still sold stuff on eBay. Some of them okay. from our stock yeah. that we had. I had boats all over the place full of castle deeds. So I was, you know, tapping into those and still selling on eBay. But, like... My relationship with UO back then was listing shit on eBay, logging in and like delivering to the players. And did then it logging feel out.
0: like a business though, like Anfred? Like, did you like? Because you know, I play UO just for the enjoyment. I, I've never really had a. Uh, I mean, I guess I stream online, so there's a there's a small financial right like thing, but not not yeah. to your level, right? Like, I'm not thinking about that subconsciously. Did it feel like a business, or like, did you ever get tired of it, or what?
1: Yeah, back after the house fiasco where we deleted all the houses, um, yeah, it turned into a business. Like we just list stuff on eBay, log in and transfer, you know, goods to the players. And it kind of, that kind of mentality, you know, of, of games are our business kind of carried over to like every single game we played since. Um, Cause wow. like I was saying, like we quit and we played the Anarchy online and the same kind of story unfolded, you know? Anarchy Online had PvP, you know, we modified the clients, saw how it worked, we got bored of the game, and we found some exploits, you know, dupe exploits. We were able to, like, create items out of thin air. And, you know, we just started selling stuff on eBay again, and it just I turned mean, into it's a, a business.
0: A, it's a very interesting, like, I think, moral, you know, kind of conversation, right? That it's like, you know, in my opinion, it's like, well and now again i'm talking right now in my 30s well if qa didn't do their job right and these exploits weren't discovered not my problem right like this is a viable mechanic at this moment in time you know yeah like what is that kind of how your feelings about it or like have they have your feelings evolved over the years or what, what do you think about it
1: um so here's my thing like if the exploits didn't exist, right, we would we wouldn't be exploiting it. That's obvious. But also, you know, since we were we were selling this stuff on eBay, like if players didn't want items, you know, we wouldn't have a business either, and we wouldn't be exploiting these exploits as much because right. mm, there would be no demand for this stuff. So uh, there was a gap in like what players wanted from the game developers and the game itself. And what was provided, you know, and we kind of wedged in right there and we were like, we we created this bridge between being able to like spawn items out of thin air. You know, we basically created like the first version of DLC. We were like,
0: right. Well, it was. Yeah. It it, it was super interesting talking to Gary when like I I brought up like, hey, didn't y'all like, know they're selling like stuff on eBay. And I remember him saying like, yeah, we didn't care because he's like, we didn't offer that as a service and we didn't. And it was just. It was wild hearing him say and I'm like, "It's so simple." They just didn't they didn't care, right? I mean, yeah, they, they cared probably to an extent, but when you when and I think this is my appreciation, and it's so cool talking to you, seeing another side to this. That there was so much corporate BS going on behind the scenes there's just not enough resources to deal with you and your crew doing it. Ass chopper right. posting, but I mean, there's just, it, it's too complex, you know, to do this. And, yeah, it's, yeah. and it's almost like in my head, I think about it. I'm not going to say that the game is doomed from the start, but perhaps this is why it was so ambitious. Has is this why no one has ever <laughs> tried this again? You know what I'm saying? Like it's crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I have huge respect for like, ultima online the development team richard garrett and all that um you know i played his games when i was like growing up in the 80s like on my like amigo 500 i was playing like ultima underworld or ultima 4 or whatever um but, but anyway like ultima online was way ahead of its time like right i think i think games coming out in the next few years are gonna mimic what ultima online tried to do and I think with all this crazy blockchain stuff going on and then, like, players owning their assets and players being able to sell their assets within the game client...
0: Right. Like,
1: like imagine if Ultima Online came out right now and it was, like, blockchain-enabled where you could, like, sell your epic crafted swords to another player for, you know, a few bucks. Like, the yeah. game would be huge. It would add a whole new angle to the game. Well,
0: uh, I know, and I, and I think, you know... It- it's so interesting, and I, I really respect you coming on here because it's hard getting people to kind of talk about you know not only because l- let's be honest when I when I was sixteen, Anfred, when I downloaded that exe, I was elite hacker, right? Like yeah, I mean I remember having this is really funny. I was uh, either during uh, middle school, high school, like AOL Instant Messenger was huge. I remember getting yeah. what were they called? I don't remember the name. Well, they There was programs you could download, and gosh, I remember like it was yesterday. It was like on a shitty GeoCity site, and they were programs that would like kick people off AOL. Institute. Yeah, it was,
1: was, was called AOL. Was, yeah,
0: yes, yes, that was it. And then I had like a bomber where it would flood – Like the text, it would kick that, and I just remember clicking a button and kicking someone offline. I'm just like, yeah, Yeah. what an idiot. Yeah,
1: (laughs) 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 yeah, that takes PvP to a whole new level. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I I remember AOL because one of the cool things about AOL, um, and for people that don't know what what that was, like, so like AOL was a dial-up program that you like dialed up to the internet so you could get online, but also was like this all-in-one chat client maybe it was based on, like, IRC protocol or whatever.
0: Yeah. But
1: anyway, you could have, like, friends lists, whatever. Um. So this guy created AOL to, like, basically hack all the functionality exposed by AOL. And one of the features was, if I remember this right, like, you could find out somebody's, like, real IP address. Yes. You know, back then, back then, people were just dialing up and their IP was sitting on the internet, like, not re- not like right now where everybody's behind, like, a net or whatever, where they're right. not reachable. So... Back then, you were sitting on the internet, and if you got somebody's IP in AOL, you could like send a ping of death. And there was like there was a huge bug in like the Windows TCP/IP stack where if you sent like a ping packet that had a shit ton of bytes, like I don't know, uh, hundred thousand bytes or whatever, yeah, it would it would blue screen your computer and cra- crash. So you know.
0: <laughs> oh, I remember but, um, like it was yesterday when on ICQ someone sent me a virus and I stupidly clicked it and. Yeah, they, they, I think it installed a keylogger is what it did because they ended up hacking my UO account, right? And it it ended up blue screening my computer. I I reinstalled Windows and all that crap. And then I remember, dude, like it was yesterday, I I called the local police department. I opened a police report and I said my online account was hacked. And it was (laughs) such a weird, like, concept. Like, they wrote it. I mean, I would love to, I don't even know if they have it, but I mean, it was a police report that they took and, like, the cops like the, I think a detective came and he actually, I sat in his car and I kind of like just talked to him about it. Cause he was kind of interested about it too. Cause it was a very, yeah. w- even today it's a weird concept. Like, you know, it's like, Oh, it's just someone stole my identity. Okay. Whatever. It, it happens all the time. But back then it was a big deal. And I remember like there was no recourse. Like I, you know, I could open yeah. a ticket with, you know, origin. They, you know, give me a middle finger, whatever. It's sorry. It's your fault. You know, I remember I had to start over at some point. Like I just, that was it,
1: you know? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, there's, there still is no recourse. Unless you're doing, like, yeah. ransomware for, for, like, a national industry that, you know, that happened, like, a few months ago or a few weeks ago where people, like, ransomware right. the oil pipeline or whatever. Like, unless you're doing stuff at that scale, you're just going to, you know, you're, you're going to basically file a ticket with the feds or the local police, and it's, it's just going to get buried. It's going to fall through the cracks. Nobody's going to look into, like, your... Right netflix account getting hacked or whatever
0: yeah and it's and it just i think maybe perhaps you find that interesting too but it's like over time that just that's never changed which is wild to me
1: yeah um
0: we're I mean, gonna back, go with this back yeah. then you know late 90s yeah who the hell cares sorry kid you lost your account but that happened all the time in icq that like you could and i remember after that i was very cautious who messaged me what I clicked on, right, like it really opened my eyes. That was a good learning experience, at least for me.
1: Yeah. So, so the business side of things and the legality and the ethics of it, you know, I always felt like I was on the on the right side of the law. And ethically, I felt so too, that I was on the right side because I was just providing a service to the players that the game companies weren't providing.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: to, to give you an example, there was this uh, huge case in Las Vegas where like somebody was playing um, video poker And they were, I don't know, they got angry or something. They started mashing buttons on the poker machine. Yeah. And like a debug menu came up and they were able to like change the payout table. So.
0: Oh, damn.
1: So they did this and they made a shit ton of money. And this went to court, you know, um, the company that ran these poker machines. They said, you know, you broke the law, you're stealing, it's grand larceny or whatever. Right. And, and the judge sided with the person. They're like, this person was using functionality exposed by the machine. Right. And, and that was it. The, the The judge let them go.
0: Well, I know. So it's like, if, if the bug exists, it's just a matter of time before someone finds it. And if you didn't do your due diligence as a company and you've exposed this risk, then the burden's on you, the, the company.
1: Right. Right. So, I mean, stealing money from a video poker machine is 100% unethical. So it turned <laughs> out to be illegal, you know, The ethics and legality of things don't necessarily overlap all the time.
0: Yeah, I think I'm in a weird space with that too, where it's like, you know, uh, while I think, you know, taking people's houses, for me personally, I don't know if I could do it. But I say that, though, Anfred, I didn't have that ability. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm saying this in hindsight. Now, if, if I'm 17... And man, you get you, your house is loaded with juice and I could take it, uh-huh. and I'll be I probably would have taken it.
1: <laughs> or yeah, yeah, yeah. If you had that ability right. and like they peak <laughs> if somebody pk you and they were a dick about it, you would follow them back to that house and be like, haha, I'm the I'm gonna take everything you have. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah, I have to really put this in perspective that yeah, for sure, I would have opened that door and taken everything I could. There's, there's no doubt because and, and it's interesting, you know, as I've gotten older and supposedly wiser, um, as I play UO now, like, I am still, and I call loot juice, but I'm addicted to the juice in the game. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I love it. Like, man, I'll, you know, it's so weird because in your brain, there's only a finite amount of items or things that are possible, but... The randomized things on on someone's corpse is just, it gets me every time. I love it. Even if I'm looting an empty yeah. freaking bottle, I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, other players are basically like NPCs with like yeah. epic loot. Um, but so, so I haven't played UO, I don't know, in like 15, 16 years. I logged in briefly in like 2003 or four it was the last okay. time I logged in. Uh, but I noticed you still play it, right?
0: Well, and, man, I, so I do, and there is – I need to get this guy on the podcast. I, I, I've i kind of lost contact with him, but he developed the classic UO client, right? And this client is like, dude, I get 250 FPS in UO now. It's like silky smooth. There's grid looting. And, Fred, I'm telling you, it's Life. like, dude, it, it, it jumps it to this, you know, like year where you're like, wow, okay, this is great. Because without this client – there's no way, man. I'm playing with 15 FPS, chugging along. You know? <laughs> yeah, yep. Um, but but yeah. now, do you, do you miss it like at all? Like, do you ever think, like, man, like I want to, you know, get back involved and maybe not just UO, oh. but like your antics before?
1: Yeah, 100. Like, um, I know a game like UO is going to come out again because I mean UO, like I said, was way ahead of its time. It's like this huge sandbox where you know players basically create their own reality game society yeah. ecosystem or whatever um and that really hasn't been done since the scale like everquest came out and everybody's all, all the games all the MMORPGs are basically a clone of everquest these days yes it's like it's the same game loop nothing too creative going on so so i think um games like you all sandbox likes games will start coming out again
0: well so, and i think and I, and I think this is an interesting topic that, well, and I have kids because I really connect with this, is um, there's a game called Roblox, and I'm sure you've heard of it, right? That is a yep. very similar kind of parallel to, and this is how I'm going to tie it into UO, Like like my daughter, for instance, she plays, there's like a dancer, you know, blocks off game where it's like a dancing game, but she's role-playing the whole time, whether it's, you know, right. she's playing house with people or she's dancing in this or she built herself like a little house that other people can see and then they buy things in her house like it's very similar it has the building blocks to, to uo i don't know does that make sense
1: yeah yeah it makes sense and like uo like most of these games these days they have instances so you have like unlimited land and unlimited resources like uo right. was you got a map and it, that's all there was it's that's like it yeah was it was its own country
0: I know, um, and I think like, because I quit after Age of Shadows. Age of Shadows released, and yeah, I remember saying, "Why did they Diabloize my UO?" <laughs>
1: yeah, right. That's yeah. literally
0: what I said. I'm like, if I click a single click a weapon, and it's like these eighteen thousand stats, I'm like, this is stupid. I'm like, if I want this, I'll just play Diablo, because that's what yeah, Diablo yeah. offered. You know? Yeah. I mean and that. And that's why I quit after that. I was just like, well. You know, it just it didn't appeal to
1: me. I don't know. Yeah, and I remember from, like, playing UO back in beta and c- kind of thinking about it right now, it's, it kind of reminds me, like, it's kind of like uh having a society in like, a petri dish. It's like, yeah. back then, it was very chaotic. You log in, you either make it or you die, and somebody takes your shit. Um So, like, these little cliques of factions started forming, and, you know, there was no guild systems. You couldn't, like go to the website and create a guild or you can you can use an in game menu to create a guild so so people would like dye their capes or their clothes in a certain color so you know you'd have the blue people that would like all hang out with the blue people and they'd protect each other and then you have like people with red capes that would fight with the blue people so it was like it was like the right. early days of civilization where people would like band together to protect their little society and you know they'd They'd roam and invade other, you know, uh, housing areas and, and guilds and stuff like that. So it was it was very interesting to think back on it right now.
0: Well, and, and you'll you'll probably find this, and I'm sure you're gonna go down an old, you know your own rabbit hole. So good luck and God bless on that. But um, what I'm saying is, current day with like I play on Outlands, there's about two thousand people playing. Right, it's a custom map. Um, it's very similar to you know the UO stuff, but it's it's the most popular one. And it, it's been around now I think over two years, and you're starting to see some of the economy stuff come full force where they ran out of land. There, there's no more yeah. spaces for housing, and now housing has just started exploding in pricing. And it's like wow. – it, it, it's, it's so crazy to me, Like, and I really feel for the devs of any game like this, where <laughs> how in the hell do you balance this like, real-world economy to scale – you know, it, it's because the number one variable is people, right? There's yeah. Yep. They have because in, in Outlands they have tons of gold sinks, right? So it's like yep. when you farm, they have really good. They have actually the best I've ever seen on a free shard, like things where hey, I have to spend money to upgrade this, and that means I have to keep farming, and it's like this yep. endless loop, right? To keep people hooked, but they're running into the same issues that happen in UO, where it's like. Okay, we're out of land. Do you have a land expansion? What do you how do you solve right, that? Yeah. It, it's just so intricate, right?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, um, yeah, in game economy, it's like the number one factor is like the demand for items in the game, and that comes from like how many players are playing the game. Yeah. Um, but um I, I remember reading a bunch of articles by Raf Coster, if you know who that is. Yes. He was like I do. Yeah. Um And I I don't think it's a problem they ever ever solved in Ultima Online because EO was supposed to be this closed-off ecosystem with its own economy, and they had to fudge things. Like, originally, like, so many animals would spawn, and, you know, the spawn rate would be very limited. Right. But one one of the things they noticed is, like, People realize this and people just started hoarding stuff because they're like, they know it's not an infinite <laughs> yeah. resource. So they're they're going around in the forest and killing every single deer they can <laughs> see because they know the stuff they get from it is going to go up in value. So you get hoarding, which is like you call it juice. You, you, yeah. know, you get addicted oh, to the yeah. juice and you, and you fill your house up with bags from floor to ceiling.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. And I remember and then, like Garrett saying exactly what you said. He's like, we never imagined that everyone was just going to go out and kill every deer. That was spawned. (laughs) We didn't didn't know that they were going to do that, you know? And then even fast-forwarding it to today, every free share that has existed runs into the same, you know, issues. And they just choose to tackle it in different ways. But it's still like the same issues. You know, no matter if there's, you know, obviously now there's way less people playing. 2,000 people compared to 2 million. It's still the same thing. There's issues. Yeah,
1: yeah. A hundred percent.
0: I mean, but, but no. So um, th- again, you know, just to kind of wrap, bring this full kind of circle. Um, I appreciate you kind of coming on here and just being very authentic and transparent because it's very hard to get people to come. Sometimes share some of the stories that may not be as popular because you know there are blue players in you that are going to listen to this and say, "Oh no." This is completely yeah. wrong. You know this. You know what I'm saying. Like you know what, I, what I'm getting at.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've spoken publicly about this. You know, under uh, not my real name, but I've had people come up to me and be like, "Hey, you're a freaking dick. Why, why are you doing this? <laughs> what about yeah. the other players? You know, they're taking it from the perspective of like games today, and not like how it was back then. Right. Um, y- right. You can't take a lens from 2021 and apply your thinking to you know the crazy land of UO in 1997.
0: Right. Cause like um, I can say right now in, in 2021, no, I probably wouldn't be taking people's houses as I'm in my thirties. Now I probably would be, you know, I maybe <laughs> steal some stuff. Like I like playing my thief. I'll steal stuff from people, right. but I don't know if I would do that. But if I, when you're younger, I mean, come on, everyone would, it's almost disingenuous to say like, yeah, Hey, you wouldn't just take one house if you, come on, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, like I said, I've, I've always felt ethical about it, and that's why I jumped out in 2017, because I was like, I'm um, encroaching on these guys' business model, and I don't feel right about this, so I jumped out. But like to give you some perspective, like I always get asked about this, is like, you know, how well were you doing on like, them Online? You know, paid for college, and that's great, but like... Right. Um, do you remember like Dark Age of Camelot, that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever play it, for out of curiosity?
0: No, so I never played... Dark Ages came out. UO consumed a lot of my time. When I was done with UO, I did some free shard action, and then I got hooked on EverQuest 2 very heavily.
1: Oh, yeah, games. yeah, yeah.
0: Like, extremely hot and heavy. That game, and and I don't mean to get into this long tangent, but long story short, there was a PvP side of EverQuest 2. There's PvP servers. And yeah, I played that, dude, and it was... It wasn't UO, because like people would drop plat when they died, but it was still had some of the like sweaty palm moments and i loved it man i was really addicted to it but yeah so
1: like yeah dark age of camlock came out i don't know 99 2000 2001 sometime around then i forgot when yeah it was kind of it was kind of similar to uo and gameplay. it had pvp it had raids you could build housing i think um so it had some of the elements of uo but it was uh slightly more nerfed like players were more protected Uh, like I don't think he'd lose everything off of your corpse I don't remember but anyway um that was a hot game a lot of people played it and now I found like an exploit in that game like a dupe like I was able to create like infinite amount of platinum (laughs) whatever so so I was selling that on eBay um and you know that was bringing in like 10 grand a week just to give you some perspective on this shit And, and that dupe exploit actually lasted for 10 years which which kind of blows my mind thinking back about it, like man, think, I really got
0: to be honest with you, Anfred. I think at I'm just gonna say twenty. If I was making 10k a week, I may have been yeah. in a ditch. <laughs> you know? Like yeah, I, yeah, I think, yeah. I think back yeah. then my mentality, and I'm like, good lord, like you know, today's day and age, no, I'd be fine, right? I'm I know how kind of the world works a little bit. You know, I can balance a checkbook. Yeah, yeah. But back <laughs> then, good grief, you know, I don't even know if I'd know how to act you know proper but that's why yeah but
1: so, so that was back then when the game was hot like it tapered off quickly like because you know most mmos it's like it's hot during the first year maybe first few months and then right. everybody gets like, part of it and they move on to the next hot thing because you i mean morpgs are like used to be coming out like every year so people oh, get yeah. of stuff and move on so yeah that that dropped off quickly but i mean yeah it was, it was a good business and you know that kind of stuff exists in every single online game and and the only reason I was able to exist is, like, these game companies again, to, to kind of drive the point home, is, like, they weren't providing the service to the players that, you know, they wanted and they wanted to eBay to. like.
0: Yeah, and I and this is something I'll share. I've never shared before, at least on a podcast. But um, back in the day, and it wasn't too long ago, maybe 10 years, hell, I don't remember. But I used to actually bought in World of Warcraft to sell gold. This is before they offered, yeah. you know, to... Sell it, and they actually just sell it out right now, whatever. But yeah, I had a like it was called Honor Buddy. I remember, and yeah. I would set up like two accounts. They would do their runs. I had the routes pre-programmed, and then I would take that gold and I would sell it to like a Chinese reseller, and he would yep. like buy it for me for I don't know, like quarter, half of what you know. And I wasn't making yeah. I, this was like a after the golden age, so I wasn't really making you know crazy money. It was like you know, maybe 500 a month if I was lucky, which still for passive income, for just letting it run. I was like, it's really not bad. I was pretty happy, but I know there was a yeah. golden age before that people were making buku bucks before, but so I do have kind of, and, and I guess my mentality was uh, it was like a business. I didn't really care. I was like, there's a million people playing this game. I'm just a small goldfish <laughs> in the sea, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, but anyway, um, so like I said, I jumped out of this in 2017, and then I did like a huge public talk about like my history in hacking video games. And
0: what have you pulled from it? Like, like coming out of this after 2017, you came out, you talked about it. What is your like takeaways from all this?
1: Um, so, so I guess I'll talk about the venue. It was Def Con, like mm. a huge hacking conference. And uh, I, I guess uh, to make a long story short, I went to DEFCON, did a talk, and all I got was investigated by the FBI.
0: Holy crap, really?
1: <laughs> yeah, so anyway, um, uh, I got my citizenship, U.S. citizenship last year, right? Okay. Um, um, it's a really long process. Um, I applied in, like, 2019. You know, you go through all the paperwork. Uh, right. And they called me in late last year, and they're like, yeah, let's make this official, bring in, like, your passport photo and, like, a proof of residence and, you know, just some final paperwork. So I go into the immigration building or whatever, sit down, uh, and they sandbag me. They're like, are you Manfred? I was like, what the fuck?
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay.
1: Yeah, my reaction was WTF, and then I laughed. I was like, yeah, that's me. Uh, You know, they asked me, they asked me, like, 25 questions about, like, you know, my history, how I made money, like, that i paid taxes on my money and all you know all, you know, i paid taxes on everything that came in to me and, and all that like everything was on the up and up and i just answered answered every single thing honestly and i kind of laughed through the whole thing because like i couldn't believe i was getting asked about like some online ad- identity wow. um during some like legal proceeding and you know i have an open or a closed FBI case file now. So, so I like to joke with my friends that, you know, I got vetted by the FBI and they gave me the thumbs up, I guess. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Wow. That's, that's truly interesting. Yeah. Well, I, and you may laugh at this too, but um, there is a question on, and on certain government documents that they actually will ask you, are you a part of a terrorist organization? That is a legitimate (laughs) (laughs) question. You know, and I'm like, wow, I'm like, does anyone have to say, but there's also the question, like, have you ever done, like, you know, marijuana, right? It's kind of the gotcha right. question. Yeah. If you don't answer honestly and they find out, you know, you're screwed. So you might as well answer honestly. <laughs> yeah, so
1: so, so I was honest throughout the whole process, and I was honest when they brought up the FBI case file, you know. Right. Um, you know, I think most people that speak at DEFCON or high-profile hacking conferences get investigated by the FBI, and I just, I just thought it was, you know, another interesting and funny thing, you know, in the life of, like, hacking online games.
0: So what, what is uh, like your parents oh, thought of this too? The,
1: the, the other side point is I'm super glad I got out in 2017 and I wasn't competing with, you know, other businesses, bottom lines, because that would have, you know, made things legally more interesting. So I'm glad I followed my instinct and, you know, my ethic compass, I guess, whatever you call it.
0: So if uh, I'm reading between yeah. the lines, what you're saying is if you would have stayed in and maybe, you know, someone who did didn't have a, an enjoyable experience
1: after. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a few high profile cases. Um, if you're familiar with FIFA online, yeah, they have these, they have these things called FUT coins. I, I think it's like FIFA ultimate something coins. Okay. Yeah. You like, you like upgrade your players and EA sells these coins directly to players.
0: Right. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: so some guy like hacked FIFA and he was selling the coins outside of EA's ecosystem. And, the hammer came down on him big time, like legal-wise, penalties, fines. Wow. Uh, the guy ended up committing suicide. It oh was so, so bad for him, yeah. So, yeah, um, 100%, you know, follow your moral compass and and don't fuck with another company's, you know, um, business model.
0: Well, yeah. But, well, really, it's it's the classic case of, hey, I'm making a, you know, I'm making EA shirts for my local neighborhood block party and i'm selling them for 10 bucks no one cares right? right or but now i'm selling a million of them for 10 bucks well guess what yeah when you yeah. start affecting their bottom line <laughs> they're gonna carry right. real quick yeah, yeah. so yeah it's definitely a very interesting story um and i, I think in 2021 it's definitely a new era um do, do you ever miss it like not not the financial part but i'm just saying like the hacking aspect do, do you miss that life or what
1: um, so, uh, I'm, what, what do you call them? migrated to, to cybersecurity. So, so I've always, you know, continued hacking and I spun up a new company now that's revolves around, you know, um, gaming economies and things like that. Okay. But in terms of missing it, you know, I'm always tinkering with things, you know, I don't go, you know, full on buckaroo bonsai and, and hack <laughs> things. Right. But you know, uh, I'm always a tinkerer, and I'll always figure out how things work. And if and if I find something that's you know gonna break something, I'll I'll talk to the developers about it. Um, awesome! So you're in th- reformed th-
0: now, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: well. Um, but so coming back to where games are going now, um, so this crazy thing—I don't know if you noticed—this crazy thing called blockchain happened.
0: Yes, right. Yeah, I'm familiar.
1: Okay. And and that's similar to, you know, how kind of you are worked. Like, you know, you had a key to your house, and if you lose that key, you lose your house and all the possessions. Um, Same thing in blockchain land. Like, if you lose your private key to your wallet, then, then you're fucked. So all these hacks are coming out against people and their private keys and their assets that are hidden behind these private keys. So there's a lot are freaking hacks and people getting hacked in blockchain land and Mm. especially with like tokenized assets and as games go towards you know tokenizing video game assets um i think we're gonna see the same history replay itself again because yeah, blockchain is the wild, yeah, blockchain is the wild west again. It's like there's no clear laws about it. Like if you lose well, your private key, yeah. I,
0: I've kind of heard the IRS is starting to get interested, right? Especially with the whole, oh, high yeah, high profile things. And I'm kind of curious when you know, obviously, Uncle Sam knows there's a ton of people not paying money on gains or, or <laughs> yeah. whatever. You know, how does that affect it? Because I read something on Twitter. Um, there's a guy, his name's La- the lazy peon, he does like, um, MMO, Uh like, review. He's actually a really good, like, MMO review kind of YouTuber. And he mentioned something that, like, he's like, I think there's going to be an MMO coming out that's blockchain based. And just like you're saying. And he was like, You know, I'd be really interested to play something like that. So I I do think it's possible in the future for sure.
1: Oh, yeah. It's 100% going to happen within the next few years. Because, like, blockchain games are typically card games now. Just, I don't know, because I guess they're easy to make. But right. um, I think I think the the concept of MMORPGs and and I listened to Garriott's podcast and you know he's he's correct like the the UO team invented the term you know massively multiplayer multiplayer online role playing game like
0: right
1: that's gonna get a lot of hate but it's true right <laughs> like yeah. there there are some multiplayer games before that but UO was like what sparked this off that was like kind of like the big bang of that stuff this whole trend. And I I think it's going to get a rekindling um, when people own their assets again and they risk losing them and then exploits come into play and now you have other countries exploiting, you know, U.S. players and vice versa. Uh, It's going to be the Wild West again. Um, So it'll be very interesting to see what pans out in the next few years.
0: No, oh, for sure. And I I hope, you know, I think at least talking to you, I I definitely hope, uh, you know, we get to cross paths again in the, you know, the next year or so and kind of see where things are because uh, I think this conversation relating to UO and MMO is just a very curious topic in general because it's like you said, it's wild west. No one, it's uncharted territory for everyone. Um, yeah. So, but no, uh, thank you and Fred for definitely hanging out with you man. I've had a great time. Is there anything you, you need to say to the community at large or anything uh, like that?
1: Um, so I have a lot of people that come to me and they're interested in, interested in like, you know, how do I get started hacking? How do I hack? Like, um, one it's, it's really a curiosity driven field. Like, um, if you're curious about something, you gotta take it apart and figure out how to hack it. But you also have to be, especially these days, um, super ethical about right. hacking and up to date on the law. Um. Just because it's not illegal doesn't mean you should do it because it's probably unethical. So I mean, it's a huge balancing act. Like researching how something works in order to break it is a lot of fun. Um, But going the next step and breaking something is uh, something these days I'd advise against, you know, going back on my wisdom and all the things I've learned (laughs) in the past and seeing what's happened to other people. So yeah, definitely do your research, hack stuff, but be responsible about it. That's all I'll say. Um, Yeah. And and thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, This felt like a therapy session.
0: (laughs) No. Yeah, man. I I tell you, it's uh, it's not only like that for, you know, you, but for me as well, because I'm starting to as this podcast has evolved into this, you know, just I almost say it's, it's an avalanche now. It just started snowballing. And it's so fascinating to connect these older stories almost together while the community at large was huge, right? It was still yeah. very small and siloed for certain aspects, especially exploits, right? Like you knew yep. about other communities. So, I mean, I, and I hope, I truly do hope when I'm, you know, hell, in my 50s or 60s, this kind of has like a time capsule of why did why do these people like this game? You know what I'm saying? Like
1: this yeah, people yeah. have to be
0: curious about it. Like what is it about it? Um, yep. But no, man, I appreciate it, man. And I'm sure we'll uh, we'll talk again soon.
1: Yeah, 100%. Thanks for having me on.